Welcome to Cheaper Than Therapy, a podcast that journeys into conversations that demystify, destigmatize, and desensitize what goes on both inside the therapy room and in daily life. I'm Vanessa Bennett. And I'm Danae Logan. And we are seekers, soul sisters, and holders of sacred space. Every week, we sit down for soul-provoking conversations with fellow seekers, thought leaders, change makers, and even real people during live coaching sessions as they navigate the hard work it takes to be a human. This is Cheaper Than Therapy. We have news for you all. Yeah, we are so excited to share that as so many of you have asked for us to host more than just one week-long immersive experience, we are bringing another retreat into the fold this year. And this time we're headed to Nosara, Costa Rica, June 3rd through 10th. Yeah. We heard you. We heard you. We're doing more. We're trying. <laughs> this time, though, we're actually bringing in two of our dear friends and colleagues to come along with us and join the party. So we're going to have Ashley Torrent and Millie Murillo there. Um, and honestly, the four of us together, I don't know, our powers mm-hmm. combined, drawing from our collective work in the healing modalities of psychotherapy, coaching, mediumship, astrology, somatic movement, group processing, all the things. We'll be supporting you all in reclaiming every aspect of the most fulfilling life you can possibly live. It's going to be such a transformational week. I'm so excited already. And if you are interested in learning more, you can go to the link in either of our social bios or head over to Vanessa's website at vanessabennett.com. And we have payment plans available for this one as well. Yeah, definitely hit me up on email if you want to know more about that. We are super excited and we hope to see you all there. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. So today we are talking to Jane, and Jane wrote us about something that I feel we get maybe some sort of questions about a lot, like breakups, and I'm, I haven't really moved past it, and I'm doubting myself. You know, was there infidelity? Was there not infidelity? It sounds a lot like self-trust we're struggling with, right, and kind of how to move forward into dating again. Can you take us into it a little bit deeper? Yes. Um, I think, uh, as you rightly said, that it's all about self-trust. And since this incident has happened, and I honestly, like, I didn't have physical proof. I mean, physical proof could be, like, just, like, seeing pictures of somebody naked, maybe. But, like, I, I knew that my partner was, like, visiting this other girl and still talking to other people. But it was very early in the relationship, like, within the first couple of weeks. And that sort of gave, gave him also the leeway that, hey, you know, we just started dating and anyway, nothing was happening and just friends. I didn't tell you because you might uh, get uncomfortable and I didn't want you to leave me, those kind of things. But I just couldn't trust him again after that. I, I tried mm-hmm. really hard. And even after that, there was a lot of incongruence in his words and in his actions. Uh, Like he would promise, you know, that, okay, I'll do this for you. I'll do that for you to make things better. But then he wouldn't show up. And then it would be like, oh, but it's too early in the relationship. I'm not ready yet. And Mm. like, why why did you promise that you'd do all of those things? So Mm. I I couldn't, I really couldn't trust him after that. And there were other issues also. Like um, there was a lot of, I mean, I don't know if it's like the whole avoidance or something, but like he wouldn't. Uh, reply to me like sometimes not even reply the whole uh, evening or night and get back the next day and even like verbally like my my love language is definitely words of affirmation which he knew which he knew 
but he would not like really compliment me or things like that and he would call me like oh you're such a fatty like in a cute way but it would bother me things like that used mm. to keep happening like or he, like he was traveling once and i asked him to get me something and he's like oh i'll get you these um like flag themed undies or something but then we'll have to see you know because you have such thunder thighs i don't know what will fit them and it mm. would be like a joke and he'd be like oh but i like your thighs but he would say all those things and i just couldn't keep up with it but i just keep questioning myself because i feel like i knew that it wouldn't work from the beginning like even from the first date like the first, we didn't date for maybe like 4 or 5 months after the first date mm-hmm. and on that first meeting itself i cried after coming back that i feel something is wrong like something feels so mm-hmm. off mm-hmm. and i couldn't tell if it was just my anxiety or my instinct or um, it was just like because i am heavily anxiously attached mm-hmm. uh, so it just becomes very hard for me to discern that and then later on it feels like oh i somewhere knew that but i still did that and that's one reason i can't trust myself mm-hmm. and second reason is that because people around me they are also aware that i i do tend not to trust sometimes so they also feed into that narrative that hey you are not a trusting person you should give this person another chance maybe they are mm-hmm. actually telling the truth and it's just even though i'm feeling like shit i, I don't know if that feeling is valid mm. <sighs> yeah i'm going to go in go ahead on a limb and say to me jane the last sentence you said is the bottom line mm-hmm. the fact that i'm feeling like shit is really all of the information that i need Um I think something that Vanessa and I speak to a lot in the personal development spheres that I think we have a challenge with is there's a lot of ways that all of the conversations around attachment styles and you know first of all the attachment styles are not fixed they're not sort mm. of like this is my attachment style and there's nothing that I can do about this attachment style a lot of times the response that we're having in terms of an anxious attachment is in relationship to the person that we are attempting to relate to meaning yes. if you were dating someone who was very secure in their attachment style and was providing a lot of emotional safety for you you might have felt different in relationship with that person now that's not to sort of villainize whoever we're in relationship with if we are in the space of um feeling anxiety around the relationship but i will say i think quite often there's a way to sort of say if i understand this about what feels like safety for me in a relationship is this going to be a congruent fit to mm-hmm. the point that you were making right um and i don't necessarily have to know what the quote truth is about what this person is doing when they're with me or not i just can really tune into how i feel when i'm with this person and someone said something that i love so much we can get so much information about the level of emotional safety we feel with someone when they're not with us right so if i feel really good in my body and in my attachment when this person isn't with me that's really useful information for me because that says um some of what my intuitive hits are around like what is safe what is not safe this relationship really sort of creates a base love baseline of safety so when we're not together um i don't feel all that anxious energy do you know what i mean Yes, but the thing is now I'm 30 and I've been with a bunch of people like I've been in at least 3 relationships um and the longest one was for like 8 years 
and mm-hmm. in the beginning like at least for a couple of years i have never felt that feeling that okay i can feel safe like it's been relative mm-hmm. like for example in this case it was terrible like i couldn't sleep if he wasn't there because i could just you know um, keep thinking that what is he up to after i figured that mm-hmm. he was being shady but even in my previous relationships and somehow they've all been shady that's also there like somehow they've always like it's been like okay there's some other girl or they've been hung up on their ex or they're like too close to their ex like probably they're planning to buy a house together things like that like maybe it's just that i i get attracted to people like that i don't know but i i have never felt that safety so i i don't know how it feels like hmm. well i think that is probably your starting point right i mean what you're saying is pretty accurate. We do tend to draw people into our sphere that our psyche is attempting to understand something, learn some kind of lesson, right some kind of old wrong, right? Like it's constantly trying to figure things out. And so if we find that we keep attracting the same type of person over and over again, there's usually a reason for that. There's usually something that the psyche is attempting to understand deeper, right? And so I would say an exercise for you might be to start paying attention to other areas in your life where you do feel a sense of safety. So friendships, uh, familial relationships, work relationships, or even not in relationship, but just maybe even in relationship with yourself when you're doing something specific. So, you know, let's say you love, I don't know, gardening, I'm making it up. And you find that when you're gardening, you feel very grounded and very safe and very tapped into you, right? Who you are at your core that is something to be mindful of and start paying attention to because it's not that most of us, well, I'm not going to say all, it's not that most of us haven't actually felt a sense of safety, but a lot of times if we haven't felt a sense of safety in an intimate relationship, a romantic relationship, we're like, oh, we've never felt it before. And I would challenge that and actually say, well, you probably have, you might just have to dig a little bit deeper, right? And get more familiar with it in other ways. Um. Yes, I think... Um... I get what you're saying and it's funny because like I'm, um, I've been in therapy for the past three years now and I thought things would improve, but this was like the lowest low. Like this Well, wait, I'm going to interrupt and... you. How long did this relationship last? Maybe like, okay, so it actually started off as a situationship kind of, which mm-hmm. went on for around three months. And then as soon as we got into the relationship, uh, I figured like within the second week that he was still seeing other people, like even okay. after we had the conversation. Okay. So pause there. The relationship before yeah. that, that you said was also, you know, he was being shady and whatever. How long did that one go on? Eight years. Okay. So yes. you have improved. <laughs> now, wait a second. Let me finish. Right. I wanted to pause there because we do this to ourselves like, oh, I've been in therapy for three years, but I'm still not in a perfect relationship. I still haven't gotten my shit all figured out. I still haven't cracked the code. Right. That's not how it works. I'm actually saying you have, quote unquote, improved whatever that means. Right. In this world, because your intuition, your gut told you pretty much out the gate that this person, for whatever reason, you didn't feel safe, you didn't feel like he was trustworthy, right? It took a lot longer 
for that to happen and for the actual culmination of, okay, I, I don't feel okay and this is ending to happen. And so I would challenge you to give yourself a little bit of credit because actually it sounds to me like you acted on your gut pretty quickly, even if you're still in the space of, can I trust myself or not trust myself? Yes, that's, that's a fair point. That's a very valid point. I, I get that. Yes. And I think the other issue which comes with it, with this whole, like maybe it's again, as I said, that people who are too attached to their exes and all of that drama and me not trusting myself and not, you know, knowing my worth. I always feel like that if this person could be with another person for this long, why couldn't they be with me? What is like, am I not good enough? I'm not interesting enough. Maybe I don't have enough things to talk about. Maybe I'm not pretty enough, thin enough. Like, And I know objectively and when people like, so I'm, I'm from India, so I live here. Um, people around me, like when we talk about me, they're just like, how do you not see yourself? Like, why do you feel you're not those things? And I, I just don't see it. Like objectively, yes, I can say those things. But I don't feel it. Yeah. You know, Jane, I want to name something that I think is important in the context of you giving yourself some grace around the why. Um, there's so much about the way that we have been programmed as women, culturally, societally, familially, in what has been modeled for us. You said a magic phrase for me that sort of like my ears go, Here! every time I hear this, which is I'm almost 30 or I'm 30. Right. And mm -hmm. there's so much about the way that we've been conditioned that if I reach a certain age and I haven't been chosen, then somehow my market value has gone down. Right. Yes. And it becomes really difficult for us to build a home within ourselves and really tap into the depth of our self-worth when we have been trained to believe that our self-worth lies in being chosen and who chooses us and whether or not we are worthy because someone else says we're worthy. It's like this, you know, thing that we're trying to wrestle with in our head and there isn't congruency there. I'm either worthy because I say so, or I'm worthy because someone else decides and we can't have it both ways. And so some of the things that um, we're talking about in terms of like the work that you're doing in therapy and even the work of really, um, slowing down the process of choosing someone until I feel that hit of emotional safety. Um, and, you know, I like to say, however, we start a relationship actually does give us a lot of information about this person's capacity. So if I started in a situationship, and this is not a popular opinion, but a lot of times by design, situationships don't create a lot of emotional safety because there's not a lot of clarity around what we're doing here, right? And so if that's sort of the dynamic that we start with, that really sets a baseline of trust, as you spoke to, between me and this person. I mean, and if we're both clear and this is what's happening and this is what I am wanting for myself, amazing. Like, knock yourself out. But what I find is a lot of times as women, we're in situationships hoping that someday, at some point this is going to turn into something a little bit more solidified. And that yeah. becomes a real form of self-abandonment right from the jump in this dynamic. Um, and again... So much of this is what we've been trained to do. Um, let, you know, follow that other person's lead. Let, let them sort of be the one to decide how worthy we are. And I would say that's really about bringing the focus back to ourselves and saying, if I don't feel good about this, it doesn't matter what he's doing with his ex. It doesn't matter um, what he's saying he will do or won't do that he's not doing. 
this is about me saying, you know what, I actually get to choose too. And I got to believe that the person who is able to create that level of emotional safety is out there. Like, I, I believe there's that person there for me. And I'm going to hold out until that and person I'm gonna, comes into my world. I love that, Danae. And I'm going to just build on that really quick and say, going back to kind of slowing down, like Danae said, and really, I feel like what the work for you right now, Jane, is going to be really around attempting to create that sense of emotional safety in and with yourself, right? Like I was saying earlier about finding it and cultivating it. Because the thing is, is that because you're in a state of not choosing yourself, you're going to consistently meet and bring people into your life that are also not going to choose you. This is what we yes, do. I, yes, and I get that. And yet, like, so again, when it comes to like beating myself, this is another thing that I keep beating myself about that. Why did I get into a situation which was not safe why did mm -hmm. i get into a situation ship why did i not uh yeah like because the thing is that we initially when he asked me out that time i was very clear i was i knew what i wanted and he told me that he never wants to have kids and i was not sure about that and i said no i can't date you because i might want to have kids who knows mm -hmm. and it's just that we worked together and we tried not to be around each other and then it became a situationship. And then I actually went away for a month to figure this thing out. That what do I want? What are my values? Do, can I live a life without kids? Can I date this person? I came back. I had that conversation. And after this shadiness started coming to light. And I keep beating myself that if I had stayed away, probably he wouldn't have done that to me. But I lowered my value in his eyes by being in that situation. And that's why he thought that he could do that. Yeah. You know, I think so often what we do, Jane, is we attempt to go backward and do a little bit of Monday morning quarterbacking on the decisions that we've made in the past. And I actually find it's a little bit of a reframe on what we're doing here. I believe this is a life school. I believe that mm -hmm. every experience and situation we are in becomes information that we learn from. Um, the goal of life is not to like get through it, pass, fail, or like getting straight A's the whole time. It's that everything that we experience is the curriculum that we need to continue to grow and understand ourselves more. And so I think it's less useful to circle back and beat myself up about the decisions I made and say, that was me gathering information about what works and doesn't work for me relationally. And now I'm in the space of forward momentum. So what I understand that I'm not going to do again is when something doesn't feel true to me or doesn't feel safe to me, I'm going to slow down. And I love just like what Vanessa is saying about slowing down because it gives me the opportunity to, I don't have to know for sure. I can just say, if I'm a little unsure about like how safe I feel, let's slow down. Nothing that needs to happen needs to happen immediately. We don't need to jump into a relationship. We don't need to like, but I can also slow down the process of like physical intimacy if that doesn't feel safe to me yet, whatever that looks like to sort of move into it slowly. But all of this is like gathering information. I think this relationship that you were just in was probably an incredible tool for you to understand what I want in a partner moving forward, that you wouldn't have that information if you hadn't had this experience, you know? Yeah. And I think that, again, going back to like, you think you haven't improved. And I, I obviously call bullshit on that because I'm looking at this going, the universe was like, oh, really? You think you've done therapy and work? Let me just put this in your path and see if, you, if I can call your bluff. And you know what you did? You actually did call the bluff because you didn't get into an eight-year situation. 
You didn't take three years. You didn't take a year. Like you got into it. You were, yeah, of course you did something that you were still a little unsure of, but you got out pretty damn quickly. And so it feels to me like the where, where I'm sitting, I'm looking at you going, uh, brava, because what you did was actually call the universe's bluff. You're like, no, I am. I am paying attention. I am listening. And I am doing what Danae's saying, which is gathering information and paying attention to it. Did I do it perfectly? No, but there's no such thing, Jane. There's no such thing. doesn't exist. And that's it, not really it, literally. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. not the point either. And I think that, you know, a lot of times people will say, as we're growing, the universe gives us tests and it's not like punitive. It's just the universe mm-hmm. gives us opportunities to sort of walk the walk and demonstrate mm-hmm. to ourselves that we actually believe what we say we believe. Like if I feel like I want a partnership that is reciprocal and I feel safe in and I like feel really loved and cherished, well, here's something to prove like to yourself <laughs> that this this is a value that I hold and that I'm willing to sort of insist upon myself. And that is we build self-esteem by keeping the promises we make to ourselves. And so next time when you're dating someone and they do something, as you said, that is their actions are not congruent with the things that they've said, you will sort of say, oof, been here before. It's not my favorite thing. And so this is not in alignment with who I'm becoming. No shade, no, you know, (laughs) no fault zone, but not in alignment with me. And I know that about me now, you know? Yes, I get that. I think... I think, yeah, I think I was overcorrecting also this time around because usually like, you know, you it's now it's become easier to see people who are love bombing you uh, mm-hmm. and you stay away from them. But in this case, this person was always cold. So I just saw that as a safer mm-hmm. situation to be in that he's never going to disappoint me mm-hmm. by not showing up because he's not showing up anyway. Awesome. You know what you did? You got to experience both sides of the pendulum. That's that's a pendulum swing, and it is a very normal, natural thing. It's what we do as humans. If we've been in one extreme for too long and we are like, oh, I don't like that extreme. It feels unhealthy. It feels whatever. Then usually we will swing to the other extreme in response. And then what's so great about that is now in your body at a felt sense level, you go, oh, I know I don't like that extreme either because that also feels like shit. That also doesn't feel safe, and I know where that goes. So now – you have a felt-based like sense of both sides, and now you get to start to feel into what would middle ground feel like. What That, to me, feels like safety. What would that middle of the pendulum, what does that middle of the road feel like? And so, again, if we look at all of this as opportunities for information gathering, you have now felt into two extremes. Great. Awesome. Lesson learned. Understood. File it away. Yes, but I just like... I think before I do anything else, like like date or whatever, I just mm-hmm. somehow need to build some self-esteem, which has taken such a massive hit mm-hmm. in the past six months or so now, yeah. since this drama began. And yeah, I, like, I don't know where to, like, I'm trying, I'm really trying, but it's just, I don't know if it's working yet. Well, this is pretty fresh from what you're describing, Jane, and here's the permission slip I would love to offer you, if I may. I think 
beautiful. I love that that's your response is that I want Mm -hmm. to bring the focus to myself and building that solid foundation within me first. And, you know, I have a little bit of a different perspective than a lot of people on relationships. I think we have been so conditioned that the worst thing in the world we can be is single and that we need to like, when we're single, just be in this like interim period until I get the next person so I can finally exhale. (laughs) Like, right. And I think it actually causes us to choose a lot of relationships that are not in alignment with who we are becoming and the depth of what we want for ourselves in our lives and can really be something, um, you know, I so often talk to people when they're single about like, I just lost myself for a while, but I'm trying to get myself back, right? And I think our work becomes more about saying to myself, I'm going to fall so in love with myself that my solitude is so sweet. It has to be so good for me to be interested in a relationship, right? So the baseline becomes me. And then when it's justified, then I make space for someone else in my life. But I got to really do the work you're talking about to really build a solid relationship with loving myself well first. And that's that's the work, right? And you're mm-hmm. still fresh. So I really want you to give yourself some grace around, I'm not there. Of course you're not there. Like this is a... This, you're a little bit still in the grief space from what you're describing, you know? Yeah. Yes. Yes, for sure. Jane, I think I, I really appreciate you coming and talking to us about this because I, I feel like so many people are going to be able to relate to this. And this idea of like, where do I start? Where do I even begin when it comes to building self-esteem? Well, you're doing it. You don't realize you're doing it, but you're doing it. It's in the everyday moments. It's in the fact that you're choosing yourself. You're going to therapy. You're even doing this work where you're like looking back on this dynamic. Okay, what could I have done differently, right? What did I learn? You're going to start to notice when you beat yourself up, notice that self-talk, right? Oh, you chose wrong. You did this again. I can't believe, you know, when all those words start to come up, you have an opportunity in the moment to go, wait, no, pause that wasn't me failing. That was me learning. So maybe I can change the language I'm using on myself a little bit. And maybe I can sit in the space of what did I learn? How far have I come? Right? Because it's not to say you're not going to sit and reflect. Of course you are, but you want to reflect in a way that feels again, like giving yourself grace because also we don't learn or grow our self-esteem by being nasty to ourselves, right? And also we can't really provide that kind of love and care for other people if we can't provide it for ourselves. Meaning if I'm in a constant state of beating myself up, usually I'm, that's like my self-talk, then usually that talk kind of trickles out to others too. And so even more reason to go, I need to get really loving (laughs) with myself. You know, I need to really pull it back in and notice the words that I'm using when I speak about Mm -hmm. myself to myself. And even in the way, and again, to Nene's point, you are still in the grief stage. It is very early, but I've noticed even the words that you use. And so I want to offer that to you too, to pay attention to how you speak about yourself. Mm-hmm. And there's something that you just reminded me of, Vanessa, that we didn't touch on, but I want to name some of the things that you're describing from this past relationship were straight up emotional abuse. Um, Thank you. Vanessa and I like both like winced a little when you were talking about some of the things that he said about your body. Um, And so it's really important also to do some of this work about being in right relationship with and cherishing myself because to the point Vanessa was making earlier, 
we invite some of these energetics into our world as an opportunity to heal. So that in the next dynamic I'm in, when someone says something about thunder thighs, I would be so reflexively horrified that that is the end of whatever this is we're doing here. Because, Period. Oh, the damn, end. No. Like, you could let me out right um, here. Thank you. And there are a lot of things, and, and I'm not saying that in all, in any way for you to be shaming of yourself, because there are a lot mm-hmm. of things, a lot of times that were modeled for us, um, mm-hmm. that this is an acceptable way to talk to people. Or, you know, mm-hmm. like if, if we did, if we grew up in a house where people said, for instance, shut up, right. Um, that, that will feel like, like, yeah, that's just the way we talk to one another. Like, we don't say that in my house, like period, hard stop, like. My kid, like, will hear that other places, and I'm like, we don't say words like that to one another. That's not how we speak to one another. And so for myself, I can reframe, there are ways that I will never be talked to in relationship again. And that's another one of those forward momentum things. Mm -hmm. I have radical self-forgiveness for the version of me that thought that it was okay for someone to talk to me like that. We've all been their sister. And Mm -hmm. moving forward, never, ever, ever again will a man be talking about my body in a way that is anything other than cherishing it. And we stay in relationship with one another. You know what I mean? Yes, I do. I mean, it's actually one of the things that was a constant issue, which I would keep Mm -hmm. bringing up. And he would say that, hey, I understand. I don't want to hurt you. And I will not do that. That's how I show affection, but I will work on that. And he did actually work on that. I'm not saying he didn't, but it would still keep coming up and then I would get frustrated and I would retaliate. So I would also do something to bring him down. And then it'd be like, even you do this to me. I'm like, yeah, because I'm frustrated. But... But that's not the, you yes. know, that that's not like the best version of you either. Right. And so it, yes. I think it goes back to what Danae says. This is not a tit for tat. This is not a, I need to show you that this is not a loving way to be. This is a, if you don't already know that that's not a loving way to be, I am not here on this earth to teach you that lesson. That is not my job. My only job in this moment is to love myself. (laughs) He is a grown ass man. And if he really truly believes that that's joking or in that some way, that's okay. Period. No, you know what? This just doesn't feel right for me. I'm sorry. With love, I'm going to bow out of this. It's not your role in this, in this lifetime to teach a grown man that it is not okay to joke about thunder thighs. It's not. It's none of our jobs. (laughs) Nope. And, you know, I think this is not unique to you, Jane. And I just want to say that, that Vanessa and I have a little bit of a different perspective. A lot of times it's this thing is offensive. So I'm going to course correct this person. And I think Mm -hmm. our work is more about this is not in alignment with what I want for myself. Right. Um, You get to be whoever you want to be in the world. But I get to choose whether or not I want to be with someone that would say about my body that it's thunder thighs joke or not joke. Like, Mm -mm. I don't think we should joke like that. Yes, but then I don't know. Like, I feel like aren't most men like that. No. Hell no. No. (laughs) No. And Jane, if those are most men that you're bringing into your sphere, this is all the more reason to slow down to be alone and for do a while, the work sister. internally and be alone for a while because there is a little bit of something something going on with the dynamics that you're bringing into your sphere and I think again going back to what we were saying in the beginning there's a reason you're being offered up a lot of opportunities here to focus inward and really grow that self-love and that self-esteem by continually being presented with people who are challenging that and so again okay universe I see you I hear you thank you for the lessons I will take those lessons in and I will do my best to learn them. 
But until I feel okay about it, I'm not going to continue to go out there and seek, obviously not consciously, right? But like seek this kind of, this kind of energy. I just want to leave you with one final thought that just came up as Vanessa was speaking. Here's what I want you to hold for me, Jane. The universe loves you so very much that this last demonstration of what you were worthy of had to be so big that it became undeniably clear to you. That is why you said, you know, this felt like a rock bottom because the universe needed to get your attention because what Mm -hmm. it wants you to have is a man that demonstrates to you how good men can be, how Mm -hmm. loving and supportive and clear on what they have in you that they want to cherish. That's what the universe wants for you because that's the way the universe feels about you. Yeah. So you needed the universe to send you this message Mm -hmm. of like, no, that's what we're not going to do again. Yeah. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I know so. Mm-hmm. We believe it so. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Jane. I really appreciate you coming on today. And then Thank do us a favor. Send us a note. Yeah. Let us know how you're doing. Shoot us an email. Drop us a line, you know, and just kind of keep us posted. Yes, I would love to. Yes. Thank you so much for supporting okay. me. Okay. All right. Thank you. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. So much. So, so much. Layers. Yeah. You know, I think it's tough because there are layers of, as you know, we were talking to her about there are societal layers to what is coming up. There are cultural layers to what is coming Mm -hmm. up. Um, And Certainly, there's just a way that we as women are really challenging some of the paradigms that we've grown up in, um, teaching us about what relationships are and what they should look like and what they can be, you know. Um, and it's it's beautiful, like the inquiry that she's already in around like mm-hmm. um, just wanting to like, I, I want to feel okay in my skin in a relationship. I want to feel good about who I am and how do I how do I do that? How do I get there? Yeah. And I think that for so many of us, we look at, you know, like healing work for, I guess, lack of a better term, we look at healing work as some kind of linear path, right? You and I talk about this a lot. Like, well, when I have self-esteem, when I do this, when I feel this, and it's like, you're in it every moment, you know, every moment is an opportunity to be building and growing and evolving and changing and learning. And if we pulled back and held our life experiences, you know, it's like you always say about life school in that way. Number one, it provides us so much more grace for ourselves because it stops being about right decision, wrong decision. I did something wrong, right? I'm failing. And it just becomes more about, again, information gathering and also knowing that every time I do something that feels in alignment, you know, I call them micro moments. Every time you set that boundary, every time you speak up for yourself, every time you don't people please, right? Like whatever your thing is, you are actually laying an individual building block in that foundation of self-love, of self-esteem, of not abandoning self, right? And you can't see it. It's not a tangible thing. And it's so hard for us because we want it to be tangible, but you have to look at it as like building blocks, you know? And I just hope that she... I hope that she comes to a place where she's able to see that what she did in this last dynamic was in fact, I see as a building block. I mean, Mm -hmm. she did act differently than what she has said that she's done in the past. And 
sometimes we can't see that in ourselves, you know, it's hard to see ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that there's this thing of radical self-forgiveness that I feel like it can be really challenging for us to allow ourselves the grace of understanding that we need all of the experiences we go through to gather the information that we are meant to learn from. But also everything you're saying about building blocks, like I love to think of it like exercise, right? Like we work out, we do whatever we do for exercise, we start to build muscles and those muscles get stronger. And I think that is what our sense of self and our self-esteem is it's very similar in that relationship. And I think a lot of times we can fall into relationships and it can be like, I don't have to continue to do that inner work. I don't mm -hmm. have to continue building the muscles, doing the rituals, caring for myself well in the ways that I have when I was single. I would say that's actually the time that we need to be doing that work, like, you know, doing those push-ups little mm -hmm. in overdrive because all of our stuff comes to the surface when we're in relationships. We want to attach to this person, but I also know something's out of alignment about what he just said. That didn't feel good. And so I start to fall into some of my survival mechanisms. I start to like fight back and like, you know, get into these things that I know aren't in alignment with who I ultimately want to be, but I want this attachment maybe more than I want to stay with myself. And I would say... Actually, that is when we need to up those muscles um, even more. We need to like dig in our heels on doing our work even more. Mm -hmm. Amen. That's the road show, right? Thanks for joining us for this episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and give us a five-star review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to connect with us more, find us on Instagram at Cheaper Than Therapy, the podcast. Mm -hmm.